0: on 2FN. Thanks to the two Johnnies, it's Wednesday the 26th of October and this is Game On. Coming up today, Mary Walsh joins us to look back on her fantastic season with Kilkenny and look ahead to the All-Stars. Paul Carey is on Champions League duty. Nadine Doherty will cast her eye over all the women's sports news. Plus, Mags McElinden on the importance of breast health awareness. If you want to get in touch, please text us on 51552 or tweet at GameOn.com. 2
1: FM. Game on. On 2 FM.
0: There we have all of that in the show coming up, but we are going to start with the cricket and I am delighted to say that Paul Corey and Nadine Doherty are with me in studio. Did you watch it guys?
2: No, I did not see it. No, I didn't manage to get a fortune <laughs> clash in my work It's all time. kind of late. Oh, that's because yeah. I don't
0: work until the afternoon. I was going to say, why was I watching it at, at home by You're myself? Year and a half days. So. Yeah, well, that's true too. <laughs> um, that was great. It was really exciting. It's one of those things, you know, you get up in the morning and it's, it's lovely to actually have some competitive sport on the tally. Uh, Nathan Johns is standing by and we will cross over to him uh, very very shortly there are a couple of Champions League games on early so Inter Milan and Victoria Pleasant are nil all after 18 minutes and Club Bruges and FC Porto are nil all after 18 minutes Paul will be watching them throughout the programme and also previewing the later games Nadine before we do get into the cricket Donegal have a new manager Paddy Carr with Aiden O'Rourke as his head coach yeah Really out of the blue,
2: Um, real curveball. I mean, I was on here a few weeks ago and it was Rory Cavan and Carl Lacey were Mm. dead cert. So look, it's exciting. It's great that something is set in stone now, Marie, because we are behind the chasing pack big time. Um, It's something new, something different. Um, I'm sure the lads have had a say in it themselves and they'll be excited to get going. I think that's what it's down to now. You know, we have a big new complex there in Lifford, a big centre of excellence. So it'll be great to get the senior team in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd say it's just relief now yeah, to actually have time. someone and to yeah. know exactly what uh where you're going and what you're doing. Well, anyone who was up or has been following the news since, Ireland's fine form at the T20 World Cup continued in Melbourne early this morning with a dramatic rain-affected victory over England at the MCG.
3: The umpires
4: have called the game and therefore this is a famous victory for Ireland. It's Ireland's day here at the MCG. They have beaten England 157, plays
5: 105 for 5. Ireland win by five runs on DLS and take the points. A pretty bizarre day out there we weren't really knowing what to expect a lot of rain out this morning we went out we lost the toss we were kind of I suppose not disappointed about that but it just I suppose put it in our shoe and we had to go out and perform we were lucky we didn't think we got the perfect score we probably left a few out there I know Josh Butler said that he thought that they should have kept us to a slower score we didn't think that at all we thought we'd miss out in 30 runs um, but our bowlers were fabulous in that first 10 overs and that's what won us the game so we're standing here now we've got one win we're looking towards the, not a semi-final quite yet but a couple of, a couple of good games and you never know where we're going to go. Ireland's best ever T20 since Friday? <laughs> yeah, it's been a funny tournament, really. Like I said to you the other day, like how we were going against Zimbabwe in that first game, we wouldn't have thought that we'd be here now, but it's another pretty special performance and, um, and we're actually thrilled, I suppose. At what point do you think you will be able to take a step back and look and go, what we've done here is really special? I don't know well we've got the group stages finished in in about 10 days time I think after that if we're in a semi-final or if we're not I think it'll be then those couple of weeks when everything quiets down there's such a great energy about the place at the moment I think we're really just kind of relishing that and and getting around it and I think it's suited us for the last 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 week or so we've won three games out of of five since we got here and it's been amazing
0: Nathan Johns there speaking to Lorcan um, Tucker earlier on this morning and nathan joins us now on the line all the way from australia once again getting up in the middle of the night nathan how are you
6: very how you doing all good here yeah managed managed to stay up late rather than get up so early yeah. this time so what time is it yeah it's about it's just gone four in the morning here yeah
0: it's impressive commitment i like it so i'd say it was worth it though
6: ah uh, yeah no definitely it's look it's one of those days where you know, you're just pri- privileged to be there, and the adrenaline's flowing, watching everything. And it was a bit anticlimactic because obviously they finished the game off the pitch because of the rain. But um, look, once once the dust settles and you've you finished working and doing your interviews and everything, and you take a step back, it's one of those days where at some stage you'll you'll just be happy you were there.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. And, and Paul reminded me, Paul Carr is with me in studio. That when we spoke to you just before you went away, you were planning on coming back around. Now is that still the plan? <laughs>
6: uh, t- <laughs> To be confirmed. Let's put it that way. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, you definitely couldn't go now. Um, So talk us through what happened (laughs) this morning, because it did seem like it was all drama, but ultimately Ireland were really good.
6: Yeah. Well, look, it was just, it was bizarre. Um, Look, the forecast in Melbourne all this week, let alone today, has been rubbish. Um, I was surprised we even got a game, to be honest with you. Um, Woke up in my hotel room this morning. It's absolutely chucking it down. You've, you're desperately worried. You're constantly looking at rain radars, trying to figure out, right, will we get an hour here, an hour there? When are they going to get? Because they only need five overs in to constitute a game. They can go as low as that. So, you know, that's 40 minutes roughly that they needed. So you're trying to figure out when that's going to happen. Um, it looked like they're actually going to start on time. They did the toss, sung the anthems, all that. As soon as they're about to go out there, um, it starts raining. So, the fifteen. thankfully, that was only a 15 minute delay. They get on for 10 minutes and they're off again for another 20. So, it's just, <laughs> it's stop start. It's all over the shop. No one really knows what's going on. Eventually, once things do calm down, Ireland actually start really well. They didn't want to bat first, but they did. And they did, you know, it's always harder to bat first when there's rain around they made a pretty good fist of it Paul Sterling went early but um, Andrew Bell Bernie and Lorcan Tucker recovered really well Uh, Bob Burney got 62 top scored Um, from there bit of a collapse Uh, England fought back really well and Ireland only got 157 they would have wanted a lot more Lorcan hinted at it there in his interview but England deserve a lot of credit for the way they fought back then Josh Dill gets a wicked second ball of the innings he gets the England captain out and everyone's thinking hang on here this is on Ireland didn't get as many runs as they should have but Game is definitely on here, and they just kept chipping away wickets at regular intervals. And all of a sudden, England can see the dark clouds coming in, they realize that they're behind the game, they start trying to up the ante a bit. Honestly, they were doing such a good job of it that if there was well, we worked it out, if there was another two balls and they scored another couple of boundaries, they would have been ahead. But look, when it started raining, and the umpires made the call that it was time to go. Ireland were five runs ahead on, on that Duckworth Lewis calculation, which decides who wins if the game ends now, basically. And uh, crucially, th- those five runs were, were the difference. And I think when they went off, we were told there was about 14 minutes that they had before the game was off. And if they got back on before then, they were okay. Obviously, all the Irish are standing there going, right, counting down the 14 minutes and then... <laughs> you know, we're counting down those minutes went by very slowly and all of a sudden it's it's finished. It's bizarre.
0: So, Nathan, you had said beforehand that the well, Super you, yeah. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit, Nathan. We'll yeah. try one more time. Can you hear us? Yep, Nathan, are you back? No, we've lost Nathan. I,
6: have you got me?
0: Oh, we have you, Nathan, yeah. now, yeah. Look, you're very far away, so there's inevitably it was going to be a few breakdowns along the way. Um, you were talking about the Super 12s uh, before the, when Ireland just qualified for it and you said it was a little bit of a free shot for them. Have you reassessed now just given how they've been doing? Uh, we've lost Nathan. We might take a quick break and uh, we will hopefully get him back very, very shortly. Game on on 2 Welcome back. We were reflecting on Ireland's impressive win over England in the T20 World Cup this morning. Nathan Johns is with us on the line all the way from Australia. Nathan, I was just saying to you before we lost you due to the Gremlins that before the the Super 12 started, the suggestion was that Ireland had a bit of a free shot. Have people reassessed them now and what they can achieve just given what they've achieved?
6: I think it's still a free shot. I mean, they've got three games left against Afghanistan, Australia, and New Zealand. The latter two of those, look, on paper, are always going to be very difficult. Um, Australia, the hosts, and New Zealand look to be in cracking form at the minute as well. Um, that Afghanistan game on Friday, if it goes ahead, look, we're talking about rain. If you believe in forecasts, again, Friday looks dodgy in Melbourne. But that's huge because if Ireland beat them and they've got two wins in this group, they've got a really good chance of coming top eight out of all the teams in the Super 12s. And if that happens, then they qualify automatically for next uh, 2024's World Cup, which means they don't need to do the three qualifying games that they did last week, if that makes mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So whatever about it being a free shot next week against Australia, look they got Afghanistan in August in, in Ireland, up in Belfast. So if that form continues and they get a win there, look, it's another World Cup win and equally it could pay dividends two years down the line for the next competition.
0: Okay, so Friday is a really important game. And just on England then, um, we've just had a few people texting in asking about what's happening with them, where they're at and was it a, a case that they let themselves down today or were Ireland too good?
6: A uh, combination of both, I think. Um, look, looking a really good side. I think, you know, Andrew Bell, Bernie, the Ireland captain, said it in his post-match comments that for him, they're the best team in the world and I think there's a lot of people that are, would agree with him. Um, they let themselves down today a lot. I think you know with the bat early on in the innings they really struggled and, and played some poor shots and they came back to pay for it. But but equally you know they knew there was rain about and they knew that there was a certain number that they had to be at at every stage in the game and they were never up to, up with that rate. um it was only towards the end once they started smacking the ball up around a little bit more that they realised that they needed to to catch up to that and. As much as you can say Ireland did a really good job, they took regular wickets, they contained them a lot. You have to ask the question of why didn't England try and put their foot in the accelerator and catch up to that rate earlier.
0: And why do you think that is?
6: It's it's a really good question. I think, look, Ireland took three early wickets. Anytime that happens, you're definitely in the game. That's kind of the magic number they say if you get those three early wickets. Three is the number that puts you well on top in a game. That certainly helps. Um, form England's batting in the first game wasn't as good as potentially it could have been. Now they bowled exceptionally well in their first win against Afghanistan, so that kind of got them out of trouble a little bit. Um, look, there's a lot of factor, you know, chasing in a ground like that in Melbourne, which is such a big ground. Um, when there's pressure on, it can be difficult, you know, it can be hard to find, find boundaries regularly, etc. So, look, there's probably a lot of small things. And, and at the end of the day, Ireland did produce some really good cricket as well when they needed to with the ball. Look, there were ton, they, they dropped their catches in the field, they, they, they bowled a few, a few loose deliveries, but, you know, at the same time, they backed that up with a couple of moments of magic. So it was, it was just one of the things. And that's the thing, Ireland weren't at their best today and they, were the, they would be the first to, to admit it. So it's one of those where they did enough to get over the line, but England helped them out a lot, I think.
0: Getting a lot of uh, praise for their bowling today. Is this something that you've seen as an, an improvement under Henrik
6: Malan? It's a really good question because they're, they're definitely a stronger batting team. I think that's a lot. That's generally the consensus around this group. Um, they've definitely improved in the last, last couple of months. The one thing I would say is that the skills aren't, you know, you're not going to improve your skills that much in the 12 months or so that one coach is involved, which is how long he's been there. Uh, I think role clarity and and lads know their jobs a lot better. I think that's the one thing that's shifted slightly. Um, Before, I think people were always combining two or three different roles on the side and now it's a lot more clear. And and I think players really thrive on that. You know, when you're out in the middle of the pitch, you don't need lots of different things running through your head. You just need to know exactly this is my one job, this is my one skill, I'm going to nail it. And look, if it doesn't go right, it doesn't go right. But at least I know what I'm trying to do and they've got that clarity and I think that's something that's definitely shifted in the last 12 months and that's you know an improvement that's certainly been made and it's and it's starting to show on the field
0: And what about Andrew Balberny he obviously had a very good individual display today but in terms of his decision making um, as captain how do you reckon he's getting on?
6: Look, T20 cricket, it's it's so short and so fast. It, it can be brutal. And to be honest with you, a lot of the times a decision can be really good and you can lose the game or a decision can be really bad and you can win the game. It's, it's just one of those things. He, with the rain around, there were a lot of people saying he should have bowled his two best bowlers, Josh Little and Mark Adair early. Uh, he did to a certain extent. But when the rain came and the game was finished, those two still had quite a lot left in the tank to bowl. Um, now, because he bowled them slightly earlier than normal, a lot of people are saying he deserves, deserves a lot of credit for putting England behind the eight ball, so that when the rain came, they get, you know Ireland were in a winning position. But you know five runs was the difference. That's one blow, one, one one maximum, one six. If England had gotten that, Ireland are looking at the fact that those two bowlers, Little and Adair, still had three hours left between them. And and so the difference between a genius ploy and not getting it right is is so fine and, and so minute and I think that just shows how much of a thankless task it can be to be a captain but look what he did today worked and he deserves credit for that
0: So it, w- it was brilliant to go out and beat England today and it was unexpected but have our expectations of cricket, this cricket team changed now do you think and, and should we be putting as much significance on victories like this?
6: Well, yes, because as much as the West Indies win was massive, the West Indies team historically has been very good, but the last 12-18 months have been very poor. So that was a victory that was definitely on the cards, I thought. Uh, this England game wasn't. This is, We mentioned it before, this is probably the best team in the world, or if not, you know, top two, top three. Uh, Ireland are obviously nowhere near that yet. Uh, we'll see if they ever get there. Um, so when this type of win comes around, this is the one to really big up, massive achievement. Yes, the rain helped a little bit, but look, a win's a win and, and the players will take it and they were full value for the victory today. Um, historically, Ireland's been very poor at T20 cricket. So to beat a side like England, which has been a world leader in the format for so long, it's again, it, it deserves a massive plaudits. And, and look, we can all remember 2007, 2011, 2015, all these big famous World Cup wins. But the reality is they haven't had major ones probably since 2015. And like seven years is a long time in, in professional mm-hmm. sport. And the fact that they've had two in the space of five days, I, I don't think that can be the significance of that can be overplayed at all. Um, you know, it, it probably makes it Ireland's best ever World Cup campaign. And to come, you know, after a gap of seven years, that's really significant.
0: So Friday's Afghanistan and then what?
6: Monday, they're in Brisbane playing the hosts Australia um, that'll actually be their biggest game probably crowd wise because Australia are playing uh, so the locals will turn up in force and then the following Friday they are in Adelaide playing against New Zealand and then look if they finish in, if if they manage to pull off another couple of shocks and they finish in the top two and they get a semi-final spot then they progress but you know the smart money is that that won't happen but at the same time look they were the lads attitude today was yes it's all a free hit but the way things are going you just don't know you just don't know anymore um any predictions that were made have probably gone out the window already in this tournament so at the risk of you know throwing caution to the wind they probably won't do it but you can't rule anything out
0: yeah like you you don't know if you're going to change your flight home basically is what you're saying you're just going to wait and see (laughs)
6: exactly
0: exactly. Nathan (laughs) uh, thank you so much for joining us Uh, do uh, head for a sleep although you probably have loads of work to do as well I'm just giving everything that happened today but we really appreciate you taking the time and we will be talking to you again soon thanks Marie thanks fair play to Nathan there lads getting up in the middle of the night to take our call Paul Curry I don't know if you do that for us now
3: I'm not too sure (laughs) if I was me, I'm not sure I'd be sober
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you're watching the two early games well you're watching one of them anyway Paul Inter Milan and Victoria Pleasant and Club Brugge and FC Porto what is the state of play
3: yeah I mean Inter Milan have been absolutely peppering pills in here for the last uh, 35 minutes and they're one ahead Marie which is not good news for, for Barcelona because that will put Inter Milan six points ahead of Barca with Barca playing Bayern Munich at the Camp Nou tonight so the likelihood is is that Barcelona are going to be exiting in Champions League wow yeah and the other I guess touching on the other group as well Porto beating Club Brugge and if that was to stay the same, well, then you were potentially looking at Atletico Madrid going out in the group stage as well. So Spanish football not, not uh, holding its own in the Champions League, that's for sure.
0: Right, it's a big night in the Champions League. We will be previewing the rest of the games a little bit later on. But now we are turning our attention to Camogie. It is that time of year. When the awards are handed out, the individual awards mostly, um, the All-Stars are coming up in all codes. And I'm delighted to say that Miriam Walsh Kenny kamogi Player is with us now on the line. Miriam, you have been shortlisted for the Player of the Year 2022.
4: How does that feel? Um, Thanks, Marie. Um, Yeah, I'm absolutely honoured. It came as a huge shock to be nominated in the same category as Lorraine Bray and Katrina Mackie. But as they're both fantastic players but no I'm absolutely thrilled
0: It was a great season for you and and for Kilkenny and a great season for Camogie actually it was a very good championship what would you put it down to just the fact that it all kind of came together for you Miriam?
4: Yeah I suppose Marie the lows we had throughout the year um, as a group like two of our main players Kellyanne and Aoife Doyle two sisters under crew and then Tommy Shefflin lost his brother Paul and then Brian lost his uncle Dom and some of the girls lost their grandparents so kind of just put sport into perspective and it drove us on for the whole year and we became a tight-knit group then from there on. You know, sometimes when things
0: happen and it's tough it doesn't always go that everybody kind of weighs in behind each other and it goes according to plan um so for you to even come away with what you did is pretty pretty amazing just given everything that you've been through as well because you know they those things that you outlined there Mary, I'm like they're they're not just setbacks they're life-changing events that people had to deal with
4: yeah absolutely marie they were they were really life-changing even when tommy buried his a- uh, his brother Paul on the Tuesday Tuesday morning he was at our train and Tuesday night we were kind of his family we were there for him so yeah we we really um we really were there for one another and this year especially I, we were clo- the closest we've ever been so it was nice
0: yeah and it was nice then to get over the line as well because it's not easy winning all Ireland final
4: no it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Um, We are delighted I suppose uh, we only got to the All-Ireland semi-final last year so it kind of drove us on to get that bit further we wanted to get back to a final that was our aim at the start of the year and so we did
0: Brian Dowling to his credit has done a a great job Um, not just with the way he's brought everybody together and Helps you get over the line In the manner that you did But You know Just the, the way he was able To transition the team as well And when you lose players Not just to injury But to stepping away From a panel He had a lot of holes to fill Basically at the start Of the season Miriam But he was able to Reshuffle the pack And get
4: everybody firing Yeah look Brian is just He's a fantastic man He's a brilliant Influencer to us all Uh, he's an unbelievable leader and he inspires us in so many different ways and he never really panicked all our setbacks he still had that belief in us which was nice and he gave us so much confidence as well and I suppose two All-Irelands in three years is is a great record for any manager but no Brian he, he stayed with us from the start of the year and even when we had all the setbacks he still could see that we had huge potential and fair play to him for standing boys all
2: the way. Yeah and Mariam, I suppose you know every manager comes into a team and they, they all see potential um, you as a player you know what potential did you see within the squad this year yourself because you outlined you know there were a good few changes and so on like did anything feel different or any additions to the squad this year just make that little bit of a difference?
4: Um, yeah they kind of they called in younger girls at the beginning of the year and um, in training I was marking like a girl called Lee Phelan and she's only on her extended panel but she held me scoreless in most training so that'll tell you the potential within our group um, we had just fantastic panels and there was girls disappointed not making the first 15 and there was even bigger, um, bigger competitiveness to make the subs bench so that'll just show you how strong we were throughout the year
2: yeah brilliant and i suppose looking at i suppose club hurling now and club camogie in kilkenny what stage are you at and and you know is are any players looking to push on even to to make an impact on the squad next year
4: um yeah so it was Dixborough and tomstown were in the county final and i was at that match and There's a good few players that they've asked in in recent weeks that have never been on the set-up before, so it'll be brilliant to see what they can bring now over the next few weeks when we get back training
0: one reason that you have been in the in the media spotlight over the last little while as well is because you've been doing a lot of fundraising um, for yourselves, like you're not getting any major handouts, it's not a case that you're being sent on a big sponsored holiday, you've got to do everything yourselves, how does that make you feel as a Camogie player?
4: Yeah, I suppose at times it can be a bit stressful, but we're lucky in a way being from Kilkenny because the people of Kilkenny have been incredible for support and they always have been, even going to our matches and the crowd we had at our homecoming, the people of Kilkenny always got behind us. And for the fundraising itself then, um, all the girls, like we all worked hard. It wasn't just a few girls trying to get the fundraising up and running. We all done our part where it was running uh, camogie camps around the county with huge turnouts and um, yeah it was just brilliant that uh, we've kind of raised enough funds now to go on the holiday thankfully and there at the weekend we actually played the Ex Kenny Hurlers in a match and it was brilliant craft, we were actually playing against Brian Dowling so we'd the <laughs> <load of> fun
0: <laughs> And were you marking JJ Delaney by any chance?
4: <laughs> yeah he's scoreless he's still <laughs> he's still flying it but uh, yeah it's hobby and Grace marking each other off the other end so it was it was brilliant craft
0: <laughs> that's a brilliant um, a brilliant initiative really isn't it to get people interested and uh, involved and look I think anyone that's involved in the J know that the, the men will help you out when you ask them as well so fair play to all of them for, for getting involved um, being a full forward Mary or being somebody that has there's expectation on their shoulders to score is that difficult
4: Um, yeah I suppose it is it is really difficult I suppose in recent years I was probably worried about oh I had a bad game because I didn't score but um, our management team they kind of tell us it doesn't matter who scores you know you could be making assists you know all the you could be doing all the hard work and giving passes so in fairness to our management team they've kind of drilled it into us that it doesn't really matter about the score and it's more you know your work rate and your movement off the ball so that's what I kind of focused on this year was just trying to get myself into games and not worried so much about being on the ball it's just working hard off the ball is important
2: and Miriam, I suppose a focus off the pitch that has been big in the media lately, and we talk about it here on the show all the time, is integration. And you know, you've highlighted there how you work with the lads, and you'll do each other favours, I suppose. But what's your take on it? How long do you think it's going to take? Are you in favour? And what what form do you think it's going to take in Kilkenny? Yeah,
4: look, I just think the the GPA are doing like they're doing fantastic work at the moment for promoting equality and they're finally giving us women the reconi- recognition we deserve and uh, we put in the same work as the men so we're all kind of striving for equality but uh, I do believe it's improving.
2: And within your own club are you a one club model or what form does it take there at the minute? Sorry? Are you a one club model in your club? You know is it all integration at the minute or will um, you be seeing big
4: changes? Yeah I suppose yeah I do I do think our club is brilliant and tolerant um uh, I think the men support the women. You'd see the men coming to watch all our matches and we go watch the men. So we support one another. We've a great little club and we're always kind of for each other which is brilliant We're, we don't fight over the pitch like we used
0: to <laughs> <laughs> well you're, you're one of the lucky ones anyway because there'll be plenty of people around the country fighting over pitches yeah. uh, Marion thank you so much for joining us this evening best of luck with the player of the year and with the all stars and everything that's coming up as well it was great to talk to you and enjoy the holiday thanks so much Marine. talk
1: yeah. to you soon Game On on 2FM
0: Welcome back. Yesterday, up for the catch a partnership between UPMC Breast Cancer Ireland and the GAA GPA was launched to provide breast health awareness to GAA clubs across the country. GAA clubs across Ireland have been asked to wear the pink jersey and register for education and outreach coordinator to visit clubs to educate GAA communities on checking for lumps and symptoms and signs. I'm delighted to say that Mags McElinden joins us on the line now to tell us about this new initiative. Mags, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Thanks, Marie. Thanks so much for joining me. Nadine Doherty is here as well, somebody that you know very well, uh, so she might be firing a few questions at you in a little while. Um, but just first of all, Mags, this is sounds like a, an absolutely brilliant initiative and one that's really needed as well because it feels like when it comes to health awareness, there can never be enough education.
1: Yes, it's definitely a brilliant initiative um, from the GA and GPA and I coming together. And as you said, it's just to encourage clubs to register um, for education. and There's just maybe not that much education out there at the minute in the clubs. And this is definitely a major um, push forward in reducing the risk in breast
0: cancer, etc. The unfortunate part of the situation, Mags, is that people often don't go for checks or... You know, if they're worried about something, don't go and see what it is until they hear about someone else's story. And you're somebody that has been through this journey and is, is here now talking about it. Um, what was your journey like?
1: Um, my journey again. I was at the young age of 35, and um, I was diagnosed. Um, again, I just thought it was nothing to worry about. Um, I just found a small lump, and um, I went and I went and got it checked out, and after a biopsy, then the news came back that it was um, it was breast cancer. Um, so again, I would just encourage if there's anybody with anything worrying at all, even the smallest of lump, just to make sure and go and get
0: it checked out. Uh, Mags for anyone who doesn't know you like you're a fit healthy Gaelic footballer yeah. uh, led Armagh to the All-Ireland Intermediate playing for your club um, a young mother like no I, I guess nothing that you would you didn't have anything that would make you suspect bar that lump
1: No definitely not you know I I was training away and um, again uh, I don't I don't consume alcohol or and stuff like that and um, I respect a fit, felt he- healthy lifestyle and only for the small lump, and um, if I maybe if I was in season, I probably even would have left it. That's how small a lump it was. And maybe I just thought it was a bang to chest, but because it was off season, I says I better go and get it checked
2: yeah and I suppose it'd been off season Mags was one prompt but was there anything else that because it takes a huge amount of courage I suppose to to go ahead and everything that Marie described about yourself and that stage of your life you know you could have easily left it so it's just for other people who might find themselves in a similar situation you know was there anything else that gave you that courage to go to the GP and get it checked out
1: so again you said I just had um, uh, my daughter was born in September and this was um, in the previous or the January after and I just thought I just need to go and get this you know seen to you um, you know I thought maybe it was some, something hormonal after having the baby or whatever but again when I got it checked um, they said I was look, lucky at that stage it was the early stages and um, so I'm so, just so glad and grateful I went at that stage That's so true Mags
0: because after you have children you put everything down to hormones don't you you just think that that's just part of it and it'll go away and you'll go back to what you were before or back to normal and and sometimes it's just not the case as part of UPMC's um, press release there was a lot of information in it that was really interesting and some findings that they had from research by Breast Cancer Ireland um, and it, it showed that there was worryingly low levels across all age groups of self-checking behaviours and knowledge of the eight symptoms of breast cancer. Um, 75% of women still do not know how to properly check their breasts. 33% say that they don't know all of the signs and symptoms they're looking for. 46% of women say they simply don't take time to check their breasts regularly. And I would definitely be in um, in a lot of those categories as well. And it's it's almost just frightening when you think about it's such a common disease and one that, as you've shown, if you can get it early enough that um, you can come on, come out the right side of it as well but to think that there's so many people who aren't educated as well is, it's just really worrying, Max. Yeah,
1: it definitely is, it's a, it's a worrying factor at the minute um, going from the research and, as you said people that are going to go into the clubs now to actually educate um, girls and young women on checking and looking for signs and symptoms, you know Hopefully that will make them more aware that this is a very common disease now and that it doesn't matter what age you are, it can happen at any stage of your life.
2: Yeah, Mags, you know, I'm a a teacher and as an educator, I suppose we've seen firsthand in the last 10 years or so, you know, the benefit of educating children across the board in various things. But while we've been really good as a society at doing that, as adults we often you know neglect our own education so this is brilliant it's it's so so important and again just looking at our own society who culturally i suppose often we don't talk about things we leave them be so this is just a brilliant brilliant program and in terms of secondary schools do you know is there is there a chance that this could eventually go into secondary schools in terms of education are there plans for that
1: Yes, well, hopefully there will be plans put in place for that. Um, You know, I think it's the main aim is to start off in clubs and then it's the branch out. But definitely, I would recommend that it goes into the secondary schools
2: brilliant It would just be great across the board, you know, because as we said, initiatives like this one, they're really critical to a healthy society, both phys- physically and mentally. Um, and I suppose looking at you now, full circle, which is brilliant, is was that your 11th county championship <laughs> you won there a few weeks ago?
1: <laughs> yes, that was my 11th there, um, last Sunday. Brilliant. And
2: against your old foes, Cara Croppan? Um, against Cara Gruppen.
1: went till a replay. I went till, it was a draw the first day now, and um, went till a replay, and Thankfully, we came out on top on the second day round. And, you know, I was just praising the girls. You know, all my teammates got me through um, my journey. And um, I was just so grateful to play with them and win my 11th championship medal with them again.
0: Uh, One thing as well, Mags, is the fact that Armagh now have their own training ground. For you to have came through... Your career, like uh, when you were playing, it was such a, a tough time for women's sport. Things are starting to change in the last few years. But for Armagh to, to be leading the way now and, and have their ground, how proud does that make you feel?
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, they're, as Armagh ladies and I, is thanks one of the, the top ones in, in Ireland there to have their own training ground. And, you know, it's a big boost for the girls, you know. Um, professionalism and stuff is, is coming into play now and... I, and You know, it's definitely give the Armagh ladies a big lift and they're definitely pushing on these past few years and hopefully they can go the extra
0: step this year. Well, no doubt they will do really, really well given on their performances over the last few years. Um, Max, thank you so much for joining us. And if anybody wants to find information on uh, this new initiative, where can they go? Um,
1: I think the GA and the GPA are going to have it as well up on their website along with Breast Cancer Ireland. And I think the Hellman Cancer Centre as well will have information there. Um, As soon as it's going to be rolled out, the clubs will be informed and
0: then the clubs will take it from there. Okay, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We really appreciate you uh, taking the time and no doubt we'll be talking to you again soon. You'll probably be up to 12 or 14 I'd say over the next few years you don't seem like you're going to be slowing down anytime soon anyway <laughs> <laughs> thanks Mags okay thank you talk to you soon uh, Paul Corey, any change on the Champions League scorelines
3: well I said last time out Marie that Inter were peppering Pilsen and uh, they've gone two up so both goals from ex-Premier League players you have Mkhitaryan got the first and then Eden Zeko with the second so that means Pilsen have conceded 18 goals in their five group games and don't be surprised if there's a couple more to come
0: Okay, right, well, we're keeping an eye on that for the last 15 minutes or so. Nadine, there's been a lot of... stories in the news over the last few days about women's sport and particularly uh, the developments in women's sport and, and one that caught my eye was the announcement of Paul Kelly from Tipperary as the new Dublin Senior Camogie Manager. Uh, Paul is known to many as being an All-Ireland winner with uh, Tipperary and has done some managing himself with Mul and had success there. Uh, big move for both of them it feels
2: yeah a big announcement Um, I'd be if I was a Dublin camogie player I'd be very impressed with it I'd be very happy with it Um, he's a lot of experience working with women as well in terms of ladies football and his club Mullahone who he led to a Junior All Ireland final there last year beat Uh, St. Jude's I was at it (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. In the rain in Wicklow. Um <laughs> so yeah, look, a great backroom team as well, Marie. And it's funny at lunchtime today I was chatting to a few of the lads in work and we were just chatting about backroom teams and finances and so on and what it takes. I won't name the fella now who plays Intercounty, but talking about budgets and so on. But I mean with with this lineup. Dublin have a really good budget and they've a really good setup and I think from the players' point of view if you're a Dublin player you'd be very happy with it you'd just be thinking this is another three-year contract let's hope they stay for three years it's that consistency now mm-hmm. that I think Dublin need um as well I think they need consistency on the pitch there's a lot of shining stars there but I think they really need to build something a bit stronger to challenge the Kilkenny's the Camogie or the Corks you know I'm not a massive Camogie fan I don't have a huge insight to it but you'd follow the results I'd follow matches and I do think that Dublin they have the resources in place and they've had them in place for a while I think they just need to step up to that top bracket now because they're kind of hovering in the Mm -hmm. middle there
0: yeah they've it feels like they're 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 get close but yet they are still far away
2: yeah it's always and it seems to be the matches where they're the favourites that they fall short you know the underdogs they'll come out with these brilliant results every year and it's the games then were their favourites that they fall short and that's what's stopping them making it to that top grade so look Paul Kelly and his team he hasn't gone in there for anything other than I'd say looking to get into that top tier and mm-hmm. really challenging Cork and Kilkenny and the likes and making that step for them um, so yeah we'll see how they go but I would be very excited for Dublin Camogie
0: It's such an interesting time now for the intercounty game the women's game it's now very attractive for men to go into the game. But, okay, Adrian... O'Sullivan aside it feels like they stay most of the time like look Mick Bowen is staying Brian Dowling stays like they're not running out of the game when they win All-Irelands
2: No and that was the case previously where you might have yep. a guy it would be a stepping stone you know mm-hmm. Maxi Curran has returned to ladies football he's still there five years on and Mick Bowen as you said is there eight years it's not that stepping stone anymore and as you said it just shows where the game has come and where the game is going I think both financially with resources and look we touched on integration earlier I think that's going to bring it to another level again and we will have top quality managers staying where they are with women's teams and rightly so.
0: Yeah and I I think as well there'll be more crossover like we will see men going from the men's game to the women's game. I just hope we get to a place where we have more female managers in the Intercounty game. I can't envision a time when there are females in the men's game but i'd like to see more females in the women's game
2: yeah and i was involved myself you know i was in with me for two years i was in with nafina for a year and being brutally honest marie for me it was time mm. i loved it i really really enjoyed it um but time traveling to and from training that's nothing it's the planning and everything that goes with it that's where it takes up most of the time Um as well training you know getting females in trained as coaches I know you're doing your coaching now with the soccer the LGFA they have brilliant initiatives in place anybody who's interested get online and have a look because there are continuous continuous coaching sessions going on and training you know training methods but it is something you'd want also listen you have a lot of women when they retire from football they have families and that's a huge it is you have to acknowledge it you know it's a huge Mm -hmm. factor in not getting involved but it is something we need I do think it's essential
0: I, I just think it's an untapped resource and that when women leave the game whether it's to go further their career a bit or to have a family that it's really hard to get back in again and I'll give you a good example of why I think that the structures aren't in place for women to get back in again I set up a Mothers and Others WhatsApp group in St Jude's there recently and within three days I eighty 84 women added to it and I wasn't even pushing it so there's just I just feel there's so many women there who want someone to tap them on the shoulder and say do you know what why don't you come and do this or why don't you join that or look here's a, a women's only coaching course for ladies football why don't you give that a go but it just I just feel that it's that kind of recruitment or that encouragement just isn't there and and maybe the people that are putting these things on or um are saying that oh there isn't enough women to do the jobs in the club they don't understand how you get women involved in organizations yeah and i'll put my hand up when we were senior players in nafina
2: and we find ourselves managerless a few years the top of our list were men and that you know yeah. I, and I'm not going to lie about that because it didn't tap into our psyche it was only maybe after two or three years uh, I mean Denise Masterson's name came up we were looking at these players who'd maybe just finished playing football let's try and get them but it took us a while to get on to that and I agree with you I think women probably do need to be approached mm. whereas men are often predisposed to putting themselves out there and offering themselves up. Whereas I think there's a lot of gems who are untapped in a lot of clubs around the country and past players, for sure. That's a huge, huge area that needs to be tapped into. And
0: I think there should be mentorship programs. So if you have a senior men's coach there, you should be they should. The club should be identifying women that want to further their coaching careers, putting them into that, that setup, even if it's just in an observational capacity, just so that they can learn because those opportunities to learn just aren't there anyway I could talk about this all night but I won't Um, I'm going to take a very quick break and we'll come back and talk Champions League Welcome back and now Paul Corey is still with me in studio as is Nadine Doherty and it's time to turn our attention now to football big night of the Champions League tonight and last night as well a few notable results good win for Chelsea which no doubt you'd have been happy about Paul
3: Yeah Chelsea were very impressive Marie Um, probably their their best performance under Graham Potter I would say the scoreline probably doesn't reflect the performance I thought they were excellent just um, even playing through the thirds they mixed their game up well uh, a couple of lovely moves and two fantastic goals Kovac tried to a rocket with his left foot and that Havertz anybody hasn't seen it for about 25 yards off the underside of the bar so they were pretty comfortable within that Salzburg may not be the most recognisable team across European football, but we're unbeaten in 40 games before last night. They have a serious um, talent pool within their Marie. Seven of this starting 11 last night were under the age of 21, so a couple of players to, to look for. The manager's only 34 years of age, so um, a really exciting project there, but a really important win for Chelsea, and that puts them into the last 16.
0: So, Man City and Dortmund and it all, can we read anything into that, Paul? Do
3: you know what? it was? It, it looked like a game that both teams were happy to draw it it puts them both in really good stead to to qualify out of the group Dortmund are as as good as as qualified at this stage and Man City the same Mahrez missed a penalty which was probably the the key moment within the game Halland came off at half time Um, be interesting to see whether or not that was just to to rest his legs up or whether it was a slight knock but Man City were in total control of the ball Um, Drew Bellingham of course had had a good game as usual for Dortmund but both teams very very happy to settle for a draw and you could see that at the end of the 90 minutes
0: I X Liverpool 8 o'clock team news
3: yeah it's, it's probably no surprise to be honest with you Marie um, a couple of the more experienced players come back into the squad Trent is back in a, a right back Jordan Henderson back into the middle of the pitch and uh, we've got a front three of Salah Firmino and Nunes so two players to drop out from the weekend Curtis Jones and Carvalho and um, no real surprise. I mean, Liverpool have been really, really patchy, Marie, away from home this year. I think they've only won one of seven. And I guess the two results that maybe stand out there, or even the three results that stand out, is the Napoli defeat away from home, mm. the draw against Fulham, and then the most recent one, the defeat away to Nottingham Forest. And they're leaking goals, which, which is not something that we've seen too often with Liverpool. And they're not quite as fluid going forward, particularly on the weekend when they played Nottingham Forest. They played Salad down through the middle. And it just doesn't work for me. Um, you know, Sal is so much better kind of starting from wide and drifting in and he's also a hell of a lot better when he's got Alexander-Arnold behind him. So no surprise to maybe see them revert a bit more towards that kind of natural 4-3-3. And uh, they need to get something going because they've been far from convincing. People probably would have thought with the three wins, the Rangers game, uh, the City game and then the West Ham game that maybe they turned the a corner. But it certainly doesn't seem to be that way and there's there's all sorts of questions coming from that Liverpool team at this moment in time they probably need to start answering a couple of those questions
0: do you Tottenham need to do the same or are people just overreacting a little bit they're playing Sporting at 8
3: yeah potentially I, I mean a lot of the comparison with Tottenham tends to come with what's happening at Arsenal <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal are going so well at the moment and Arteta's <laughs> style of football <clears throat> is, is, is so good to watch and it, probably the opposite is true when, when you look at Tottenham at their performances. It's very, very Conte-like to play with that five at the back. They don't come out of that shape all too often. And then they rely a loss on, on Kane, Son, Richarlison or Kuliszewski, whoever that is at the top end of the pitch. And the last couple of weeks, Marie, they've really struggled. Like the Manu result, they were poor in that performance, looking for them to turn things around. And again, against Newcastle, Newcastle by far the better team. So there's a couple of questions maybe kind of popping up at Tottenham. Conte's... In the last year of his contract, he probably wants uh, some new players to be added to the squad. Is he going to get that with Daniel Levy? I'm not too sure, but this is an important game because when you look at the Champions League groups, this is the one that's very much kind of in the balance. Uh, Sporting Lisbon, when they played them last time, I had to watch the game. They really struggled. They were beaten two nil. Don't be surprised at all if Sporting were to go there tonight and get a result. And if that was to happen, that could mean that Tottenham need to go to Marseille on the last. Uh, last fixture and get something which won't be uh, an easy place to go Marseille a very very difficult side to, to play when, you, when you're travelling so it's a group one probably to look at tonight to see how the results pan out to see where Tottenham will lie but a couple of questions and a, a lot of probably moans and groans come from Tottenham fans at the moment and they probably need to turn things around
0: so back at home then tonight we have the first division promotion playoffs Longford playing Galway United Treaty United against Waterford
3: yeah Waterford are probably the team Marie, that everybody's expecting to come through from from this playoffs of course tonight is the first of a two-legged affair they play Treaty Treaty gave a good account to themselves in the FAI Cup recently against Derry but Waterford's form is is probably the, the standout within the division I think they've won five games on the trot and um, just Phoenix Patterson and Co. firing on all cylinders, so don't be surprised if they were to come through from that game. And then Galway and Longford. Galway, you know, started the season so well. They matched Cork for such a long period of time, but somewhat huffed and puffed over over recent weeks. They played Longford last week. It was a three-all draw. Don't be surprised if this one is, is quite tight and edgy. Both teams are, are struggling for a bit of form, so you don't know I mean if you, were, if you were kind of putting your money you would say Waterford and Galway go through but I think Waterford Marie over the playoff journey I, I think they'll be the team that will come through and whether or not they play Harps so or UCD I would fancy them to come up
0: OK well those games are both on at quarter to eight uh, guys thank you so much for coming in uh, Paul just before we finish up on the football any developments on the ongoing games?
3: Yeah so Porto have gone two up against Club Brugge, and Inter Milan remain two up against Victoria Pilsen
0: Okay, Nadine, uh, you're happy enough with the Donegal manager? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. The only way
2: is up. New start, and Paddy Carr is great. You know, he's great CV behind him, great coach, and work. So,
0: yeah, pretty good. Well, I am um, out of here this evening, and I'm not back till next week. I'm heading to Katie Taylor on Saturday, and then off to Brentford and Wolves, Wolves as well. well what a weekend good, ahead! Good for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. Uh, Someone will be here tomorrow. Shane will be here tomorrow uh, steering the ship for the rest of the week. And Bella da Silva is up next.
6: Live across the nation. And on the RTE radio player. This is
3: RTE.